0: Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game. Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Somehow, the French got this idea of the starving artist. Very romantic. Except it's not so romantic for the starving artist. And that's by the director, David Lynch. And I want to tell you how much it means to me that you are listening, whether this is your first time or you've been in it from the start. I've gotten just so much great feedback that people are getting practical information and the guests are awesome and inspiring people. So thank you so much for being a part of this And please share this with people. I don't want it to be the best kept secret. I want the world to be a little bit different because of the efforts that I and my guests put in to share as much information, inspiration as we can. Also, I want to remind you, and if you haven't heard this yet, I have a group that is a marketing mastermind group and the first part is a, an idea session where I share about a marketing tactic, when he use that word, and then we have time for Q&A, and then each person is going to be in the hot seat, or you might even call it the think tank, and get some direct ideas from me and the rest of the group. So just go to lucydumascoaching.com, click on the tab Mastermind, click on the bar to set up a quick conversation to find out if it's right for you, or you can click on that to find out anything else you'd like to about how I can support you. I recorded this topic once already. topic today is starving artist or a profitable photographer. I listened to it twice. It was really hot day last weekend and there were fires about 20 miles away and I was hunkered down and I was like really slow like I couldn't talk fast enough to keep my own interest. And also, this topic, it is not an easy one to talk about. I got more organized, made more bullet points, and I'm doing it again because here's the thing. I want you to get as much value out of stuff that runs through my brain and things I've learned as I possibly can. I really hope this is a helpful episode for you, especially if you're one of the photographers who are struggling with feeling like you're not an imposter or struggling to ask for money for what you create because it's so personal. I get it. It is a challenge day after day to be creating photographs coming from like our essence, our soul, even if it's an executive portrait or Least favorite way to call it, or my least favorite word is a headshot. But even that, we are using our eye, our talents, our skills, and I think our hearts every time. Having the courage just to show it to people and ask if they want to buy it, it's not easy. When I posted a question in a Facebook group so I could see other people's thoughts on it, one of my friends posted a picture from the movie Oliver. With the little boy, obviously Oliver, with his bowl. And we all know he's asking, please, sir, can I have some more? And I would capture it, please, ma'am, will you buy my thing I made? It is scary to face possible rejection. It's easy to take that personally. But when you can separate your business and learn how to run a business, which is a separate skill set from being a good photographer. When you can see your photography as a product, a sign of your self-worth, it gets easier. Yes, it is awesome when people love my photography and they want to give me great big gobs of money for it. Of course, I love that. But if they say no, I am at that point where I don't take it as something about my work. I take it as something about either I have not pre-qualified them or I have not helped them understand why they would want it. Or they're simply people that that isn't what they would be interested in. I also was thinking sometimes people say they're a starving artist like a badge of honor. But I know that if you have been listening to this show, whether this is your first time or I think I'm on episode 68, 69, 70, I know you're committed to working hard and learning about business so that you can prosper as well as serving the world with the passion to create images that have value. It is fantastic to make a living selling our own creations. I love photography and that I have not had to have a career doing anything else is a gift, it's a joy. It has been a lot of hard work to find a way to have my creativity turn into cash. Thinking about starving artists, I was thinking about how many, the time to buy somebody's art, traditionally some painter, is right before they die. Because afterwards, the world, if they're, you know, somebody that's doing good work and gotten out there in the world, it seems the world appreciates them more and that they realize there's no more coming. That's the end. But there are artists like Picasso who treated his art as a business. And yes, he also pursued his art with the depth of everything he was. At the same time, he found a way to get paid for it. And so that's what I want for you. So one of my friends, when I posted this question, she said, art is less than 10% of business. Once I made the mindset to treat my business like a business, not an art, things changed. And that was Tanya Goodall-Smith, and I interviewed her a while back, so you might want to listen to that one if you haven't. We need to separate what we create from ourselves, that we are not our photography. We need to learn how to not take rejection personally, and that if they say no or yes, It is about them and not about our work. We need to get support from people so that we can keep growing and also sometimes just plain commiserate when when things aren't going the way we want to. It really helps to get through that pain and that struggle of being a creative and yet having a business to run. So that was step one, was seeing the photography as a product, Also, I think I'm going to call this 1B, is if we commit to getting involved in our profession, joining PPA, or if you're in another country, your professional photography group, and using the resources, reading the magazines, listening to the education that's available, joining the local chapters, serving on the boards, starting to speak about what you're good at. There's week-long classes that once COVID tones down, we can go to again. My first big transition was when I took a week with Joyce Wilson a long time ago. Yes, I learned a lot about photography. Her work was exactly what I wanted to achieve, but I also began to learn the ins and outs of business. That is some of the challenge I want to give you is to really take the business and the resources that are already available for you. Watch Creative Live. There's free to very inexpensive things there webinars, other education and books that are not about photography, but are about sales and business and time management and all that good stuff. Okay, number two, you are selling love or success or memories, not your soul. You want to focus on them, focus on the client, focus on service. I personally am selling decor. My work, my goals for my portrait photography is that people will have art in their homes that are of people that they love. That could be themselves, their child, their dog, you know, not necessarily a diamond ring or something, maybe someone (laughs) loves their ring. But I'm also selling and you're selling the experience of you. There's 887 people that call themselves photographers in my zip code. Probably a lot of them could do some very nice pictures of children or families, but they don't get me. They don't get you. So keep that in mind. Yes, some people need to work on self-esteem. I spend a lot of time developing more confidence and understanding why people like me. Why people don't like me, because there certainly are people that don't. But those clients that book me, a big part of why they do is because they feel like it's going to be a nice experience with me. Okay, thought number three here's what you are actually selling you're selling your time. So even if you're carrying that imposter syndrome and you decide to carry it forever, which I hope you're not going to, you still have to get paid for your time to do what you're doing, at least as much as you would earn if you did something else. You must charge enough to bring in the money that you need to compensate you for the time. Now, imposter syndrome is focused on not being good enough. But here's the thing. If somebody likes it and they buy it, you're not an imposter. Even if they don't buy it, you're not an imposter. And it's not about your worth as a human being or as an artist if somebody doesn't buy it you might have the wrong clients you may not have done a good enough job as a salesperson need to polish that up or your own fear of not being worth it might communicate to the clients one of my coaching clients i can't remember what it was so i don't know why i'm bringing it up but said something like the price of this is $1000 then i had her say it differently the price of this is 1000 so The intonation and how you feel about it, maps across. Something that is really fun to do, and there's lots of good books around creating money. There's one called Overcoming Underearning that I like a lot. I have some suggestions for you about opening up your channel to receive. And one of them is to do some visualization where you close your eyes and you get in a comfortable place and you take some deep breaths, and then you imagine that buckets full of money are fluttering down from the sky, and they're mostly 50 and $100 bills, and they're piling up all around you. You're just saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you're just, you're drinking it in. The thing is, it's not selfish to receive, because then when you have that, you can contribute more to the world. When people hold on to money, then there's none circulating, so nobody else gets any. But if you like, let's say there were only 10 people in your town and you all had to get everything from each other, then if you baked some bread and you sell it to somebody and then that money, you go buy some milk from the guy with the cow. And then that money, he goes and buys some vegetables from the guy that grows vegetables. And that guy has money to, I don't know, buy a new shirt and so forth. And the guy that bought the new shirt, he sells toothbrushes, because maybe he runs a little pharmacy, to the guy who bakes bread that I bought the bread from. So it just goes round and round and round. We just don't see it in quite the same way. Another really nice exercise is to write yourself big checks or have family members, your kids, draw up checks and have them in filled out fully in at least double the amount that right now you feel comfortable and excited about receiving. So if $1,000 seems like pretty hard to believe, write a check out $2,000 and then have somebody, friend, or neighbor, or a family member, hand it to you, tell you thank you. And if it's somebody in your circle that you can hug, hug each other. And notice how good it feels to receive as a cheerful receiver. There's some, I don't know if it's a Bible quote or just something, but the world loves a cheerful giver. The world also loves a cheerful receiver. So do exercises like that, It opens up those channels and makes it easier to imagine that people would pay us for what we're creating. Okay, so here's a biggie, probably the core. So number four, there's that fear that your work is not excellent, you're not an award-winning photographer, you can see faults in it, things you wish you had done differently. Let's say someone hires you and you think, oh, I should have seen that tree, or I should have posed the hand better, or fill in the blank on that. Well, the truth is, awards don't pay bills. If a client likes the image, it's good enough. And the truth is, that's all you need to be. Also, the truth is, I know many award-winning photographers, people that if I told you their names, which I won't, you would be shocked that they're A, not rich, and some of them are struggling financially because there's one thing to be a beautiful photographer. Other is to be a beautiful, excellent business person. They both take effort, and they're different skill sets. One of my friends, Aaron Bonilla, coaching client, And friend, when I posted this question, that was her response is the importance of knowing that they are completely different skill sets. She recommended a book called The e I haven't read it, but I have a feeling I'm in agreement with it. (laughs) Good enough is all you need to be. Many photographers have work that is unlikely to be selected for exhibitions or win prizes, but the clients love them, they pay them well, and these photographers are making a good living. And I know it's because they see their photographs as a product, are focusing that 80, 90% of their time on the business of selling the art. That being said, I want to challenge you, if you listened about a month ago to my episode about print competitions and the importance of that, it is important to grow photographically and creatively and strive for excellence. So I'm not saying don't do that. I am saying that you don't have to be at the top of your game photographically or satisfying that, that artist in you every time in order to have some very good photographs that people will treasure. So number five, now you do need to be proficient in photography and be able to get the response and be able to get the results you need. Your work needs to be repeatable. It is important to learn the basics of photography. You need to know an f-stop from a bus stop. (laughs) You need to know what shutter speeds you need to pick and the challenges of ISOs and all of that. You need to know good lighting, how to light the face in a way that's flattering for people. You don't need seven lights to make a beautiful portrait. One of the classes I took years ago with Frank Crickio for a week, we learned how to light his way and he used seven lights. And the truth is, as amazing as that class was, I could have used a week with him teaching how to use three in the most masterful way. And you can even just use one, but you need to know how to use it properly. If you're a portrait photographer, it is important to pose people in a way that makes them look their best, that has a natural expression and gestures. If you take an assignment, you need to have the right equipment And you need to have the skill to make it happen. I think the only person I would say might be an imposter is someone that goes to a wedding with one camera, one flash they've never used, one battery, and one memory card because they're not set up to handle a day like a wedding. The number one thing that used to happen back when we had to charge our batteries is that the batteries would run out right at the most inopportune time. So you want to have enough of the right equipment with you and some kind of backup, especially if it is an unrepeatable assignment to be able to handle it. I had a wedding where I had, I was down to one flash, one camera and one lens. And I had brought two cameras, four lenses and three flashes, but the client didn't know other than You know, I had a few moments where I was sweating and they knew I needed to change my equipment. So you need to be prepared. You need to be a good Girl Scout or Boy Scout and be prepared. But that's enough, being proficient. So number six, time is money. And if you're spending lots of time doing creative editing and retouching and compositing, some of that can actually be things we're doing for fun, but it doesn't always make us profitable. It might satisfy the artist in you. I know it does for me, but it doesn't always enhance the financial success. And I'll admit it, I'm guilty of this. I'm very particular about every little detail. And that's a reason I have to be low volume and high dollar, because I can get lost in the creativity and the fun. If I'm not getting paid well for that job, then I'm losing money the more volume we do, the more we need physical help, online help, marketing help. If you want to achieve some very big goals, it's important to figure out who can support you to do that. I mean, my time, I calculated about 400, 450 an hour in my actual work time. And so if I'm not earning that and I can pay somebody to do it, and it's not something that I really, really enjoy anyway, then uh, working smarter includes getting help. So I've already talked about the importance of being a good, proficient photographer, that we don't need to be the most magnificent photographer in the world. In fact, I love the expression, comparison is the thief of joy. And I think one of the traps happens a lot is looking at other people's work that is a great way to feel like you're not good enough. And honestly, I've seen some photographers work that was so beautiful. I felt like I should just sell all my cameras and go get a job selling shoes that I was a complete imposter, even after 38 years professionally and master craftsman photographer and won some big awards and all of that good stuff. Other people are doing some beautiful work that I don't even know how they think it up. So. Don't spend a lot of time with that, especially if you're feeling less than. The last thing you want to do is compare. And the truth is, you don't know if that person is making good money at it or not. You just need to focus on yourself. Okay? So the other thing I want to mention, this is point number seven. I want to have a little conversation about the word style. Finding your style. I hear a lot of younger photographers who are saying, I finally found my style. And what they mean is they found a preset or an action of something that they enjoy and they're going to call it their style. And sometimes they're going to like die on a hill from that. Like somebody says, can you edit this so that my skin tone looks more natural? They'll and I hope this isn't you, and if it is, please don't take this personally or offensively. Just think about Aunt Lucy, who's been around now for 38 years in the business, and those kind of trends come and go. To die on a hill and say no if someone wants to re-edit, let's say you have something light and airy, and they try to print it, and it's too pale to print well, because they've purchased digital files from you. To say no, because this is not my style, is to hurt yourself and hurt your clients. Now, if it's something that you think is horrible and embarrassing, like I don't sell files because I'm afraid of what people will do with them when they get them. There is a line not to be crossed, but I want you to think about what is really style. First of all, you don't need to figure this out to make a great living because as I said, you're selling you, you're selling them back to themselves. You're selling memories, a nicely crafted photograph in any editing style, whether it's true color or dark and moody. If the people look good and the clients are smiling and they look like they like each other, they're going to treasure that because it's their family. That's what we're really selling. It's, it's kind of a trick, actually, that we're selling people themselves back to them. To make a living, you need to know how to take photographs people want to pay for that you feel good about creating. That's it. But you don't have to feel like you've done the best work in the world and since the dawn of time. But you do want to be doing work that makes you happy. You know, there's assignments I won't take on. Either I wouldn't be good at it or it just isn't fun for me. I did a trade for some jewelry one time. It drove me nuts trying to photograph uh, these pendants in a way that made them beautiful. I worked harder than if I'd had tripler toddlers in front of my camera because it wasn't something I was skilled at and B, it wasn't that fun for me. In my experience, maybe I've already said this, but if it's good to say once, maybe I say it twice, people buy photographs where they look good. In general, I think people really want their skin to look like skin. They want it natural and where the expressions are pleasing. So again, it's always about focusing back to them. I think style is something that is intrinsic in us and it's not going to change. Once you start creating photographs that are coming from your unique eye, your way of seeing the world and your way of sharing it with others. It's something at the core of who you are. If you think about photographers that have been around longer than 15 years that are very well known, you could probably look at their early work and look at their work now and see a consistency. Even if they changed from high key to low key or tried some unique effect on something, there is something that each person has that is original to them. I'd love for you to explore that and develop that at the same time until you really get a handle on your style, you still can do nice work that people will love and pay well for. In my opinion, things that are popular today and trendy are going to look out of date in the not-too-distant future. Back in my day when I started doing weddings, people did double exposures. Sometimes the lab would do it for them. Sometimes they would do it in camera. We called it the bride in the brandy snifter. I thought I had to do that in order to get paid to be a wedding photographer. And then there was a day when I woke up and said, I hate doing those. I never want to do one again. And it isn't my style. My style is to take people outdoors and to light them beautifully and to get great expression, to have them walking and hugging and, you know, have the scenery be beautiful and that's something that I discovered over time. But going back to the trend thing, so if you look at a wedding album now and you didn't know when it was created, you didn't know about clothing styles, but you just saw the bride and the brandy snifter at shots or the double exposure of the bride and groom looking down on their ceremony, you would know how old-fashioned that is. There was a trend, I think about 10 years ago, actually, at time, time gets mushy, but where flair Sun flare, let's shoot in the direction of the sun and get the family or the couple doing things, and their contrast is flat and they're very faded. And while that can be beautiful, a lot of people that was pretty much all they did and called it art, which it was. But now it looks like, oh, that was 2010. So you may not agree with me on that, and that's just fine. But what I'm saying is, I've seen trends come and go. And I've seen the people whose work I remember have a consistency to it that also includes not just some trick like we used to put Vaseline on a filter to make it all mushy on the corners or white vignettes or really dark vignettes. Those things are ways to possibly make a photograph more interesting. But what makes you somebody that is not an imposter is that you're taking good photographs. So I almost started all over with this number seven, talking about styles, because it is kind of complicated, and I maybe said some things that are implying that if somebody's doing flair or dark and moody or whatever, black and white, high key, low key, and calling it their style, that I'm discounting that, and I do not mean to imply that whatever it is you're doing is not amazing and perfect for you right now. So take all of that with a grain of salt. The most important thing I want you to know is, A, you don't have to discover your style to make a living selling your photography. You have to make good work. B, real style, your style, comes from inside and not an app or a preset. But those things can be helpful to bring out what you love. All right, all of that being said... Having the passion to produce the best work we can every time, of course, is an important goal. I already said, putting our work in front of people for critique is one of the fastest ways to get better, especially if it's a critique that you can listen in on and they give some tips. But it is equally or more important to learn how to create a thriving business that makes your clients happy, that supports you and your family, and that gives you that joy and satisfaction from using your talents and your time to do what you love. So that's about all I've been able to squeeze out of my brain and get my tongue-tied little dry mouth to say today and hopefully with more energy than when I first recorded this. I just so honor you for your heart and your commitment to create a profitable business at whatever point you are in, even if it's just a thought and you haven't started or if you've been doing this for 50 years. You're the balm, dickity. <laughs> so just a reminder, get in touch. Go to lucydumascoaching.com, Lucy with an I. And if you want to know about the mastermind group, click on that tab. Please share. And also, it means so much to me if you go to iTunes and you do a review, because that's how I continue to get ranked higher so more people can listen to the show. I want to thank you again for listening. And